Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts, part of the Heroes Podcast Network. I'm one of your regular hosts, Gregory Bosco, and with me as always is the other captain, Derek. Go ahead and say hello, buddy. Hey everybody, welcome back to our Star Trek podcast. Yeah, and Jeremy's taking another week off. He's still getting settled into his new job, but he sends his hello and his greetings to all of, uh, all the listeners out there. He'll be back on soon enough, it's just... I understand. I get it. You know, when you move and you take a new job, you got to take some time to get situated. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, it's halfway across the country. It's you know two time zones away, so it's it's all right. We'll we'll get them back. Damn right. <laughs> but this week, you know, everybody has been seeing a lot of the news on Discovery from San Diego Comic Con. All the Star Trek stuff that's happening with CBS. All the rumors of all the new shows and such in development. We kind of wanted to take an episode to take a step away from the uh, Macbah, as much fun and as popular as that was with the with the picking the random kind of topics and talking about the best of and such, to just talk general Star Trek news and, and uh, maybe a focus on Discovery news, you know, because the new trailer dropped, which, you know, there's comments all across the board, um, but let's start with the trailer before we get into some of the news and some of our hopes for season two. So Derek, what did you think about it? Well, um, I, uh, we were just talking about this shortly before we started recording, but I just rewatched it to kind of, you know, prep and everything like that. And it's just, it's a fun trailer. It's exciting. I like the pop music, you know, I want to get away is, is a good song and I feel like they paced it well with the trailer. So, um, it's exciting. Yeah. You get to see Pike, you get to see the enterprise, you get to see, you know, some new aliens like the Saurian and, um, Lots of action. They're, of course, teasing Spock quite a bit. Um, I'm sure most of what we saw is probably from the first maybe two or three episodes, but that's about it. Yeah, because the guy playing Pike Anson Mount is only in two or three of the episodes. Did they finalize it yet? Yeah, I did not hear an episode count. Uh, that does not mean they haven't said it, but, but um, I, I did not know that there was a limit on that, so... Well, and it's hard to filter out all the noise, and we joke about that on the show all the time, that there's so much clutter, especially with with new TV shows and new new anything these days. There's just so much noise and so much background, as they would say in Star Trek, the background radiation, <laughs> that just overwhelms everything. Yes. You know, how many episodes? How many producers? How much this? How much that? Well, I don't know. He's only in, he, there's 15 episodes. He's only in nine of the episodes. Maybe he dies. It's like, hey, you don't know. Um, I will say the trailer, the only thing that concerned me is it kind of, the you kind of get the feel of generic, generic action adventure space in certain number, but the other thing I really like about it, and I'll tell you why I really like about it, it's starting to get the look of the characters of, to more of a Star Trek feel to me. 
And what I mean by that is Anson Mount as Captain Pike. He looks, he has that Starfleet captain look. Yes. Remember that Next Generation episode we've talked about a couple times um, when Captain Jellico takes over for, for, for Picard? You know, I think it's Chain of Command. Mm-hmm. Of all the things people said about Jellico, he looked like a Starfleet captain. He had that presence on screen. He had that look. He had the feel. He looked like a captain. Anson Mount looks not just physical. I mean, it's just, I know we only get 60 seconds of him on a trailer, but he looks like he belongs on the bridge of a starship. Yeah, I still think that he was very strong casting for Christopher Pike. You know, he's uh, not necessarily a Jeff uh, Jeffrey Hunter lookalike, but it's pretty damn close. And uh, he, his his attitude seems good. He seems comfortable in the role from the short clips we've seen. And I I have quickly fallen in love with that new uniform. Me too. And you can also, if you look closely enough in the trailer. You can see that it's kind of got the same generic or general construction as the Discovery uniforms, because there's certain like ridges and certain flares where the old where the Discovery uniforms are, but obviously the coloring and the 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 physical look of the the original series uniforms is I mean that's obviously there. Yes, yeah, it's definitely a much more complicated uniform than what the original series was, or even what we've seen in uh, the 2009 Kelvin Star Trek movie, and uh, even more complicated than Beyond. You know, it, like you're saying, it's got a lot of those ridges. It almost looks like you could wear it for like motorcycle motorcycle gear, um, in a way. Yeah, it definitely does kind of get that look going, and I I also enjoy the look. I know there was a few people complaining about the uh, how the neck doesn't kind of match up yeah. but when that's designed like that on purpose i'm like that's just the the asymmetry that's that's not unheard of in military uniforms even throughout human history how you know they have the three-quarter button or the one-quarter button or the buttons that aren't actually buttons they're just sewn on for look i mean people of all cultures and all civilizations have done stuff like that yeah i think it looks nice that way i think if it's too symmetrical then it looks too artificial right and the original uniforms were completely basic you know and that was because it was the 1960s the the types of details that you would see on screen in the 60s versus today are obviously different and you know a lot of people like to talk about it being a budget thing really the original star trek actually had a very good budget for the time but you weren't going to focus on those types of details because you weren't going to see them you know yeah i mean now you're going to see it yeah, I mean, most people, what when they think of uniforms standing out in the original series, they think of probably two things. Either Kirk's rap mm-hmm. or the uh, Mirror Universe uniforms. Right, yeah. The, the uniforms in the original series were never the hot-button topic. It really, that was that's kind of like a cultural thing, if you ask me, where moving into the 90s and the, in the, in the 2000s, where people got really interested in what the characters on screen were wearing. You know, I don't see is I don't see anybody walking around saying I want to dress up like a character from Logan's Run, and Logan's <laughs> Run's an amazing movie. Renew, but, yeah, renew. But nobody's nobody's talking about the uniform or the the costumes in Logan's Run. They're talking about the story of Logan's Run, and that's what the original series was kind of about. Yeah, and maybe it has something to do with the fact that Star Trek just kept changing the uniforms right between the original series, the first movie, and then two through six. Um, and then, of course, TNG had a different uniform in the first two seasons that was changed in season three. Um, 
So Star Trek's changed uniforms quite a bit. You know, DS9 had two different uniforms. Um, Voyager, the crew has one, but they show off the the later one when they start talking to home again. And of course, you have the Enterprise um, uniforms are different again. Discoveries are different. So I like this reimagining. It's it's needed. You can't you can't throw Pike in like a Valor Kirk era you know 1966 uniform it just wouldn't look good um no and it's even and i don't even mind doing a comparison to star wars you know the 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 costumes and such change in the star wars movies and nobody cares i mean people enjoy the change they enjoy the differences the cost the costuming community just looks forward to something new to work on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you know I, I think i tweeted this a little while back that you know i'm just when, so Star Trek Beyond was 2016, right? So in 2016, man, I really got to get one of those Beyond uniforms. And then Discovery comes out. Man, I really got to get one of those Discovery uniforms. And now I've got to get one of these. Um, it's just super cool uh, for for cosplay purposes, of course. But well, especially because it's always comfortable. And you, I'm the guy that wears it to the restaurant. Because <laughs> they, they don't care. They just want my money. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's lots of really good stuff in this trailer. You know, we get uh, our first look at Tig Nataro's character, who is uh, uh, Reno. She's a chief engineer on the USS Hiawatha. Um, looks like maybe one of the, the few, if not the sole survivor of whatever happened to the Hiawatha. Um, that's exciting. Tig, Tig Nataro, she's a uh, comedian, stand-up comedian. And so I, I love her line. You know, they, they talk a, about the pulsar or whatever. And she's like, oh, good. I, I thought we were going to die. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of hoping they let her be. She's always known for a bit more of her edgy humor. You know, some people love it. Some people don't. But it's one thing she's always done. I know it's hard to sneak that into CBS. But with the CBS All Access, they have a little bit more flexibility to just let Tig be Tig. Well, her humor is very dry, sarcastic humor. It actually reminds me of Bones uh, quite a bit. And so I'm wondering if maybe she'll kind of go that that kind of direction. Um, you know, but she's funny. I like her stand-up, so I'm really looking forward to seeing her on the show. And I would be completely satisfied if they let her do her own, you know, version of jokes, of jokes that Bones would make. I'm fine with that. <laughs> right, except this time she's an engineer. I'm not a doctor, I'm an engineer. <laughs> exactly, and if you think about it, I, you know, ideally they'll do something where she comes into conflict, you know, not violent, but like a professional conflict with Stamets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, two distinct different types of personalities. Stamets still dealing with the loss of, of, the, of, his, of the doctor, but also this new chief engineer on board and all this kind of stuff on comparing this, comparing that, you know, this is your way of doing things, well, this is my way of doing things, and you know, they can they can create a whole episode just on something like that. Well, and she would outrank him if she becomes a, a, a crew member on Discovery because he's a lieutenant. She's the chief engineer, you know. And so now, of course, she she could be a lieutenant. Her comm badge looks like it is commander. Um, it has three pips on it. It's a little hard to tell. If it, it, it looks like she's a she's a commander. It looks like a three pip insignia. Um, so she would outrank Stamets which would be interesting if they brought her in as the chief engineer, but I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah, I mean, when they start casting characters or actors and actresses like they've done, they're they're not the type you cast for one-off episodes unless it's one hell of a one-off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
It's, I mean, I know in the past some Star Treks and some other TV shows have done that. But in this day and age, I hate to say people expect more, but the people, the fans expect more. And I still have that hope that Discovery's gonna kind of let the characters... Like, I would love to see, you know, Saru be the captain. Because mm-hmm. I, I still... The focus on Michael Burnham is great and all, but I know that, like, the, the, the hint about Spock... I hate to say I don't care about Spock, but I don't care about Spock because I want to know more <laughs> about the new crew. I want to know more about the new crew. Yeah. And Spock being involved immediately just... Don- unless, like, they cast me as Spock, which they haven't. But if they- <laughs> unless they if they cast, like, Zachary Quinto, and I don't know who Spock is. Um, but that's what I'm worried about, is I would rather just focus on the Sarus and the, and the Tillies and such and... Let's keep getting to know this going crew because that was one of our criticisms from the three of us lastly when we were doing the Discovery season reviews is we only get to know the characters partially. We don't get to know them much at all. Yeah, Discovery's in a tight spot, right? Because given the era that they're in, it would be silly for them never to reference the Enterprise um, as one of the 12 Constitution-class ships. It was very significant. But going all in and making this arc about Spock... And it could end up being great, right? We, we could end up loving it, but it is just kind of resting on that type of, it feels fan servicey. You know, we've got Michael Burnham and she has that connection to, to Spock um, through Sarek and that's great. I'm fine with that. That does not bother me. But do we need to see Spock? Do we need to have a multi-episode, possibly season-long arc that has to do with Spock? Because they've They've now confirmed we're going to get to see him in some capacity, right? And so, is that even necessary at this point? I'm kind of with you in thinking. I don't, I don't believe it's necessary, but I'm. I think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just kind of wish it wouldn't. I would rather them focus on, unless they do something completely out, like completely unexpected, where yes, they introduce him and they show him, but he's not hostile because Spock isn't hostile to people like that. If he's just absolutely cold to Michael Burnham. If he's like, you're not my stepsister or someone like that. If he's just like, you were, my father helped raise you, but you're nothing to me. You're, you were a competitor for the Academy or something. Mm -hmm. But again, people would be like, well, that's not the Spock we kind of know and love. It would. That's the tough Spock though. Think about it because this Spock is 10 years before the Spock we really get to know. We only have seen him briefly a couple years earlier in the cage, and that Spock was completely different because he laughed, he smiled, you know, he was a completely different character than we saw in Where No Man Has Gone Before. The Spock that we see in the original series is different than the Spock we get in the movies, who's different than the Spock that we got on TNG, and then later in the Kelvin film, Spock as a character evolved. So the Spock that we should see here needs to be somewhere between the cage and where no man has gone before. Yeah, so maybe maybe a little more emotional without without trying to, maybe a little bit more aggressive or not aggressive um like competitive. I mean, it's an interesting question because you know, obviously the the real world answer is that the cage was thrown out and they rewrote the character for where no man has gone before. But in universe footage from the cage is in the menagerie, right? And that's part of the trial and everything. So we know those events quote happened in, in the Canon universe. So um, they're going to have to balance that Spock. I don't know what to expect from that. 
I'm not super thrilled at like the crux of this and at least initial story is literally the search for Spock. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm I'm definitely with you on that. And in like the whole part of the trailer where they're talking like the seven the seven galactic spheres, I forget the exact terminology they use. Um like the seven sensor blips they get across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. That appear kind of like simultaneously in all this. Like, okay, that's kind of cool. Like, sci-fi fans, we like things that are like those extra-dimensional threats. Unless, and I'm hopeful that they don't do something silly like... Precursor to the Borg or something. I'm like, no, don't do... Don't do that. Just make it be like some sort of scientific anomaly that they have to research and solve. I actually think that would be a lot more interesting, maybe at least just to me, than some sort of look at extra galactic alien threat threatening Starfleet just after they finished a war with the Klingons. I'm not even sure how they're going to handle it because they say it's they, they span 30,000 light years. Now, to put that in perspective, Voyager was thrown 75,000 light years away and they have a much newer ship that's a faster ship and it was going to take them 75 years to get home traveling at maximum warp so if, you know a thousand light years a year uh if that's the the model that you're going after you're still talking that this should take a quarter of a century for them to accomplish at, le- at least a quarter of a century right so i'm not sure like now that they're on the discovery they've got the spore drive but stamets also said he wasn't going to do it anymore so what are they going to tech the tech and you know, do some Trekno babble to figure out why they can now use the spore drive. Because then they'll have to come up with another excuse why they stop using it, which they already have kind of nightly, nicely tied up in a bow. Yeah, especially when they're showing not just the impact to the to the time stream and all this stuff, but the impact of Stamets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Starfleet is an organization that isn't going to willingly sacrifice their people unless there's a damn good reason for doing so. And going fast isn't a typical Starfleet reason to do so. So I'm um, yeah. I mean you're right. It's do they dig themselves into a hole again, where now they have to find another, another you know MacGuffin to resolve the spore drive. Mm-hmm. And I'm hopeful not, but I'm you know I would, I would be excited if it's, some sort of, threat to the galaxy. Remember that one TNG episode where those, the two alien scientists. I think it's like season three or season four. I could be way off, but they're talking about how the dangers of warp. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and people, you know, you watch that episode like 25 years later, you're like, damn, Star Trek was still again way ahead, way ahead of its time on the impacts of people to the uh, to the ecology of the universe around them. It's like it could be something like that where, you know, we didn't see all the battles of the Klingon Federation War, but maybe there are some pretty significant battles and somehow it caused some damage to subspace or something. And now there's problems, and they have to go out and solve a problem, and it's kind of like a space mystery. That would be interesting. I just don't want it to be, you know, intergalactic, you know, the Zaun are invading. I'm like, here we go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like, there's always some sort of intergalactic mega species that we never talk about anywhere else. And they're a threat for like five weeks, and then we conquer and defeat them, and then it's over. I'm like, I don't want that. Make it, make it like Andromeda Strain. Or something where it's like a space virus that's going to kill people and they have no idea how to solve it. It'll be interesting, I'm sure. You know, they've they've definitely made this seem like it's going to be a pretty big arc. It may be a season-long arc. Um, 
But that's just the Federation side of things. We still have the Klingon side with Lorel and uh, Ash Tyler Voke, who are now basically running the Klingon Empire. True. And they're more or less ignored in this trailer. And we still have, uh, you know, the the Terran Empress out there running around. <laughs> right, right. She's out there, possibly with Section 31, if the deleted scene is to be believed. Um you know, so that's got a role that it could possibly play. They're, they've teased whether or not Prime Lorca is still alive, that we may see him. And Wilson Cruz has teased, you know, what may or may not happen with his character, uh, Dr. Colbert. So, I mean, there's just so many unknowns at this point that it's it's hard to, to have any idea what could be an episode, you know, three or four. Because I really feel like they've only showed us the beginnings. No, I am with you. And... Correct. I mean, fill me in because I I just I didn't write it down on my notes. Is there an episode count for season two? Uh, I believe it's thirteen episodes, which was the original count of season one that got the two episode bump uh, to fifteen. I believe this is just thirteen again. Okay, so not a lot of space and time to mess around with ideas to I make mean, like I, a to make like I a mid season correction. Well, I mean, that's true. That's true. Uh, but, you know, when you look at how TV shows are made now, I mean, all the Marvel Netflix shows are 13 episodes, except for The Defenders, which is 8. Uh, Game of Thrones is 10. You know, so it seems like that's kind of the, the modern way of television storytelling. You mean you, you, you don't imagine them ever doing a 22-season episode of Star Trek again? <laughs> Not unless Star Trek moves to the CW, no. <laughs> okay, good point, good point. Because <laughs> they're still doing it, right? You want Arrow and Flash, you'll get 20-something, 22, 25 episodes of those shows. But, uh, you know. I, I guess that's a good point, because so many of the shows these days, even Discovery, is kind of uh, episodic story arcs. One episode leads to another, which leads to another. So if you miss, like, two or three episodes and you fall behind, you're like, ugh. Now I gotta, now I gotta joke, the joke about, you know, pass out watching Netflix for 12 hours a day, but I sure as hell can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. not, with, not with a kid running around, I can barely get Netflix for an hour a day. <laughs> I, I will binge shows from time to time, you know, when, when they drop, uh, when they drop all at once, I will do that. Uh, for example, I'm sure I'll binge Titans when that drops and Young Justice when that drops, but, uh, cause I'm a big DC guy, but you know, Star Trek, they're doing it, you know, weekly kind of thing. So you don't have to binge Discovery. No, you do not. I'm still rooting for them to go back to primetime instead of CBS All Access. I don't think that's ever going to happen, man. It's too expensive. I don't think so either. I heard the budget was bigger in season two and the season one's budget was $90 million for, for 15 episodes. Yeah, that is... When you're approaching Game of Thrones levels of production money, that's saying something. Yeah, especially when you're on a network that isn't HBO, you know. Um, this is a brand new network and they spent, you know, six to eight million dollars an episode uh, to produce this. is is big. That's a lot of money and this season uh, supposedly costs even more. So, you know. Um, but yeah, so there, there was some other interesting news that they uh, announced along with this, a, a kind of a strange thing called Star Trek Short Treks. Is and that replacing the After Trek stuff? No, no, this is totally different. So this is a limited run series on CBS All Access that will consist 
of just four episodes that will range between 10 and 15 minutes. And they are what they're basically calling an opportunity to uh, tell more unique character specific stories that you kind of consider a deep dive, right? So for example, uh, Harry Mudd will be returning in one of them in uh, a short that's actually being directed by Rain Wilson, the actor playing Harry Mudd. Um, there will be one that focuses on Saru. There's going to be another one that focuses on Tilly. And basically the way it was described, um, well, I'm just going to read, I'm just going to kind of read the, the quote here. Um, there is no shortage of compelling stories to tell in the Star Trek universe that inspire, entertain, and either challenge our preconceived ideas or affirm long-held beliefs. And we are excited to broaden the universe already with short treks. Um, each episode will deliver close-ended stories while revealing clues about what's to come on our uh, in our future Star Trek Discovery episodes. They'll also introduce audiences to new characters who may inhabit the larger world of Star Trek. Um, so this is that's a quote from uh, Alex Kurtzman, who's the showrunner um, and uh, one of the co-creators of the series and has worked on the Kelvin movies as well. Um, so, I mean, it's while this will obviously have a significant emphasis on Discovery, he does leave it open that it could focus on non-Discovery characters and content, too. Hmm. Actually, I'm pretty excited for stuff like that, because there's so... Even on our, our reviews and our episodes here, that when we're talking, there's always so much other stuff happening on the ship that we kind of want to know about. Oh, absolutely. And, like, this is a cool idea. Like, we'll get to have, like, here's a bunch of information on Tilly for 15 minutes, you know, and do, like, a character deep dive and, and Saru. And I'm really looking forward to that. I think that'll be really cool. Um, they're supposed to launch, I believe, in December. So I, I imagine it's kind of like a primer hmm. okay. for season two. kind of wish Game of Thrones would do something like that because some of the Game of Thrones episodes, like, I really don't care about these two talking for 15 minutes on a main episode. Make that make that an online webisode or something where Sansa's talking about arming and training the troops in the north. Like that'd be cool. They could do something like that with Discovery, where they could have, you know, a fifteen minute episode or a ten minute episode of Saru talking about how they're rebuilding the fleet and they're looking for captains. And hey, I love the Discovery, but I have a chance to go be a captain on the the USS Pittsburgh or something. You don't you don't want to include that in a major episode, but something like that would be fun. Yeah, and, you know, web web sh uh, webisodes is something that you know TV shows really try to do in the uh, the first decade of the 21st century when you know the internet 2.0 is really becoming a big thing. And so, like, I remember Scrubs, for example, had um, webisodes with the interns online that you could watch, and uh, you know, so this is kind of a, a similar concept, except of course it's on the same platform. So, I will be curious to see how these go. I'm equally curious as well, and I'm good when they're, if they're going to do 10-minute segments of some of the characters just to give us a little bit more info on what's going on with them, what some of their interest, what some of their uh, enjoyments are on the ship. And, you know, I always love that opening to Star Trek Beyond, and I think we talked about this like a week or two ago or two weeks ago, when Kirk is just giving like a five-minute narrative of life on a starship. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, things are starting to get episodic, and he's looking through his closet, and there's just 30 uniforms with the same uniform. Man, I love that joke. I love yeah, that joke so much. <laughs> but he's, he's even talking about the inner the inner um, interaction among 
the ca- the cast and um, the the crew members on the ship, you know, the romance and all that, because that stuff's going to happen when you're in space for five year mission. Mm-hmm. So it's cool, but you don't need to waste fifteen minutes of a movie on it. But he accomplished more in a two minute narrative that people like to know those kind of things. They like Absolutely. to see. Um, what did, what did the three of us we used to talk about? I'm I'm talking about Jeremy in third person, even though he's not here. The three of us, um, <laughs> but we always kind of talk about how we like shows that have that feel like they're living environments and not stale. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the complaints of the 2009 and Into Darkness track was it felt kind of stale, very clean, very iPodish, and Beyond was getting a little bit more living, talking about people on the ship, and maybe Discovery is going to do that with this. Uh, with the short, with the Trek shorts, is I'm, I'm I just butchered the name, but Trek shorts, buy it now on Amazon.com and CBS All Access. But they could do stuff like that to inject a little bit more life into the show about some of the characters we really like, because Tilly and Saru are arguably the two fan favorites of Discovery. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. I think you're absolutely right. You know, people really gravitated towards both of those characters because, well. People's, people tend to love the non-human main crew members, right? Spock, Data, the EMH, Doctor. Um, and then Tilly is just the most relatable person on the show. I mean, it'd be like me being on a starship with asthma. Right? I, I love it. I, somebody that's imperfect, but Starfleet's still like, you look, you got some talent, you got some skills, we can still use you. Here's a special pillow, go to sleep. <laughs> like, I I actually get that. I think the Federation would do something like that. I mean, I yeah. think they they might try to figure out if there's like a shot or something, a hypospray that can cure her. <laughs> but whatever, let her be a person. Let her be real. The actress is good. Oh yeah, Mary Weissman's great. I think she's a lot of fun, and the the character is just enjoyable. You know, I it seems like she just seems more real, right? Like it's it is that complaint about TNG that everyone is just so amazing that it's hard to relate to them. You know, and here's Tilly. She's obviously wicked intelligent, right? She's a you know a fierce friend, but she's got flaws, and she's she stumbles over her words sometimes, and she gets stressed out. She's like she's a totally normal person. Well, it's like my complaint about Michael Burnham that I just think the character is kind of boring. It has nothing to do with Sonequa Martin Green, who's a beautifully and talented actress because I've you know seen her on other shows. I know she can do great stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just can't relate to her at all. Right, but Tilly and Saru being scared at fail—you know, Saru not just being physically scared, but scared of failure in command—I can appreciate oh, yeah. that. I can relate to that. I think we all kind of have that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm hopeful they use these short tracks to expose more of Tilly and more of Saru, and just do deep dive on the characters, their interests, what the stuff they like to do when they're not just like remember Next Generation. Yeah, Next Generation, the characters are all perfect, and then they show here's you know Riker, he can play the trombone. <laughs> Now, there are rumors that we'll get to see Saru's home planet and possibly the predators that, you know, prey on his species. Turns out it's just Ferengi. I'm like, what? (laughs) It'll be interesting to see. I'm very curious uh, if that comes to fruition, you know, what that's going to be like. Because, you know, how could his species have evolved to be a spacefaring on a planet where they were the prey like that? Be very interesting concept. So... Um, I don't know if that'll be his short or if that'll be part of the main Discovery show, but those are, there's been grumblings that that's going to happen, so. 
Which, again, it's a good idea because, like you said, it's a prey species. It's not the dominant humans, the dominant Vulcans, the obviously dominant Klingons. It's exactly. it, it's a species you wouldn't really kind of consider. It's like even the Bajorans are obviously, you know, they were religious people, but they sure as hell aren't anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got religion, but they're also pretty dis- disciplined, tough warriors in Deep, Deep Space Nine. It's like they're disciplined warriors that also practice religion versus just being religious. <laughs> so maybe they'll do something like that with Saru's people where because of their exposure to the Federation and Starfleet, they're starting to learn how to be more, I don't know, confident and not powerful, but they stand up for themselves more or something like that. I don't know. Or maybe maybe they'll somehow, like you said, introduce a predator race and now Starfleet's got to deal with it too because the Kelpians are part of the Federation. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, there's a lot of stuff they could do, and I'm hopeful they get creative with it. Don't just rely on, you know, what's the the joke? Alien space bats. Don't just <laughs> don't just rely on something like that. Get get creative. Talk about the predator species. Talk about the impacts. Like I want to see. Like one of the big complaints I had about the Star Wars prequels, aside from obvious reasons, is the great clone wars is going on and it's like nobody's impacted and it's like nobody's lives are affected. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. take an episode or two to show the impacts of the Klingon war, show a few Federation planets being rebuilt, show, you know, the discovery ferrying medical supplies for an actual legitimate reason. Mm-hmm. You don't have to spend the whole episode on it. Just make it that background thing. We always joke about in the beginning of each episode. Right. We've right. just finished our 19th supply route of industrial replicators to, Blah, blah, blah. You know, due to the war, the Beta Z was bombed from space, you know. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe they'll, yeah. maybe they'll do stuff like that. Get a little creative, talk about storylines, you know, take some chances. I know TV shows don't necessarily like to take chances these days. Just because they're so fast with the cancel bat. Well, I think this is different. I think they're really taking chances with Discovery. Yeah. I'm hopeful. <laughs> Well, is there anything else in in the Star Trek news that you you want to discuss? You know, I saw some news on Star Trek Online that they're adding some Dominion War flavor. But again, I haven't played in, in a year or so. I'm so far behind that I got nothing else to bring up on that. Well, they did that. That was like vic- victory, uh, victory, or what is it? Vic- is it victory vic- or li- victory is life? Victory is life. Yeah, that's what it was. Thank you. Um, so they did that. Uh, they did announce another one, another uh, kind of expansion that will be Discovery content with uh, Mary Weissman, who plays Tilly, uh, voicing herself in the game, which is really cool. Um, you, that's going to take place just after the Battle of the Binary Stars. So it'll actually take place during the Klingon War. And this is kind of a big deal for Star Trek Online players because... With Discovery and Tilly being added into the game, it's the first time that a show has been on the air and their content has been added to Star Trek Online. It's always been done, you know, in in retrospect. Um, You know, like they had a cool expansion that followed Tasha Yar after the Enterprise C went back in yesterday's Enterprise. And, you know, they brought LeVar Burton in to be an older Geordi and, you know, countless other actors came in to reprise their characters. Um, this one's a little bit different because it's, it's taking place during a show that's actually currently running, which is really cool. So um, that's it's that might be enough to get me to jump back in. It's been a long time since I've played. Well, I might have to jump back in with you and see what it's like. Hey, man, we can we can do some missions together. I uh, there we go. 
I, I, so I played the beta for Star Trek Online and bought the lifetime membership um, and built my PC to spec at the time back 10 years ago. So um, I loved that game and just it's tough keeping up with an MMO. So if it's something you want to check out, we can we can hop in together, and make some new characters. Might have to do that. And CBS, if somehow you're actually listening to this. I, you're probably not, but just in case, <laughs> LeVar Burton, as a post-TNG DS9 Voyager TV show as captain of the USS Challenger, I would totally buy that and watch that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I know we only got a five-minute glimpse of him as that in the Voyager, but I think that would pretty f- be phenomenal, especially because LeVar Burton is blessed with not aging. <laughs> yeah, he still looks pretty good. He looks he good. He sounds good. He's still so active in the community. I would, I would, I would, I would definitely watch that. I'm still holding out my hopes for a next generation animated series with the whole cast returning. Well, they they said there's what at least another big project in the works for sure. So let's do it. Let's do it. Animated Trek, come on, bring it back. Bring back the Pink Tribble. <laughs> you know, if they do an animated show, they got to do the Pink Tribble at least once. Oh man, there's so much they could do. It'd be so much fun. I really, I want that to happen so bad. Um, all right. Well, I think that's it then for us tonight. Yeah, I think so for now. Um, there is one thing I do want to announce that a couple days ago on August 1st, we adjusted our Patreon a bit. It's not something we talk about a lot here on Red Shirts and Runabouts, but the Heroes Podcast Network, our home, uh, does have a Patreon, patreon.com slash heroes podcasts. And we um, changed up the perk levels. And now if you are in the $10 tier or above, uh, you will get access to our exclusive patron lounge on Slack. Slack is an instant messaging service uh, where you can set up different channels and things like that. And we, uh, as you are listening to this, will have launched our patron lounge, which will be exclusive. Uh, it'll include our patrons uh, that are in those tiers as well as all of the hosts on the Heroes Podcast Network. So that includes Greg, Jeremy, and myself, my co-hosts Ray and Ryan from Screen Heroes, John from Gamer Heroes, Ian from Costume Couture. We've got new hosts coming to the network in August and September, uh, with uh, at least one new show being launched here in the next month or so, and they'll be involved as well. So you can come and chat with us. It's totally social. You can talk about the podcast you can talk about your favorite fandoms personal stuff whatever you want to talk about as long as you are uh kind of following our rules which are be nice be cool be respectful don't be a jerk uh but otherwise that's what we're creating there our exclusive patron lounge so go to patreon.com slash heroes podcasts to check that out and you can come talk to us excellent i fully support this initiative <laughs> Uh, I'm looking forward to it. We're still kind of getting our our legs under us for Slack. We just we as a network started Slack a couple weeks ago in preparation for this, so we're we're really kicking it off and and trying to use it. There's there's fun stuff, and hopefully we'll have some fun conversation. And for those of you out there, Slack is free. It's not it's not some app you have to pay for. You can just immediately download it on your phone in probably less than thirty seconds. Right, exactly, and you'll you'll get an invite if you're from the uh, the appropriate Patreon tier, so that way you can access the the channel and everything like that. And uh, you'll also get access to our announcement board, which is not really that exciting, but it's the uh, 
it's kind of the open channel on our on our network page so you'll be able to see when we announce a new show or an event we're going to or something like that you'll be one of the first ones to see it so and we talk about a lot of our potential ideas on there so it gives you a chance to actually help influence the show yes if there's topics that you have in mind or constructive criticism feedback you want to give or suggestions for future topics it's definitely a good opportunity to be engaged on that uh engaged engaged i had this i had to get it in there at one point (laughs) all right well please check that out uh at the very least you can go to our patreon and see the public post about it that provides some details and let us know if you have any questions um greg where can people find you I am on Twitter at the underscore bittersteel. I'm the guy with the uh, big Star Fleet, or the, excuse me, the Star Trek Twitter profile banner. Hard to miss. I'm one of thousands with that kind of banner, but hey, <laughs> you get the point. And I am the Star Trek dude on Twitter as well. So please reach out to us. We love talking to you guys. We will be back next week. Uh, doing some other Star Trek type stuff. We'll probably be returning to our mech bot is probably what we'll be doing. So stay tuned and we will catch you next time. Red Shirts and Runabouts is part of the Heroes Podcast Network. The show is hosted by myself, Gregory Bosco, along with Jeremy Munkin and Derek Mayer. The theme song is by Flying Killer Robots. You can find us as well as other Heroes Podcast Network shows at heroespodcast.com as well as on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Google Play, and anywhere you can use an RSS feed. Follow us on social media at Heroes Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. And you can also email us at contact at heroespodcast.com. Engage. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.